you went so far as to determine that these were series on Disney Plus. Yes, I did that. That was kind of one thing that was uh, an approach that I took. I didn't want to go with uh, uh, kind of a film perspective uh, because uh, I generally, I I think Star Wars, I think Rogue One is, I don't know if Star Wars will ever succeed like Rogue One ever again. I don't think, I think Rogue One is so fucking lucky and I think it relies so heavily on A New Hope for us to actually enjoy it. Rogue One is Uh, the, is the most, that's not a bad thing. Rogue One is the, is the purest form of fan service. It's it's the best way to execute fan service in the history of movies. Absolutely. But yeah. I feel like for film, I think trilogies are a necessary thing. And for film, trilogies and Star Wars, I think there also needs to be a certain level of stakes uh, and there needs to be a certain level of, uh, if we're not doing the Skywalker saga, still doing something of that uh, grandiose sales, uh, scale. Uh, and so I took <clears> that, uh, to ensure a level of granularity um, and character-specific focus. Okay. Um, and then just, I believe that with that said, the best medium would be Disney Plus uh, in these series is similar to uh, Obi-Wan, uh, the Cassidy Andor show, and of course, the Mandalorian. So maybe a couple of mine weren't quite as thorough as that, as like to go f- so far as to like conceive of a whole production. Some of them That's are, fun. and other ones are quite, I don't want to say minor, but uh, they're like subtler or they're just like uh, conceptual things that I want to see in Star Wars. Nice. I think that's great. And I think there's uh, a lot of room for kind of exploration within a few of those. And um, I just want me to go first. Then? Sure. It's fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so I went with uh, for my number six. It is. Oh, hang on a second. The... I, have, I have an intro. Oh, OK. Cool. Uh, <laughs> we're sorry. Were you doing the podcast? All this time? I, I kind of thought we had gotten to a point where you were probably <laughs> just going to make it the podcast. Fair enough. And oh, so, we, we can do that, by the way. But let me just do my my intro because I actually wrote sure. one. Okay. Hello. I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. Well, this week, the, the story is about looking to the future rather than remembering the ways we've been impacted and stimulated by pre-existing Star Wars content before. We're going to muse on the other direction. We're going to consider how we would like to see the franchise go forward, counting down our top six characters or stories or themes we would most like to see explored in the future. And let this be an exercise for your wildest fantasies. Uh, Disney's going to be pretty careful with their plots uh, and stories that they wish to explore. They've got the Obi-Wan show, the Cassian show, both in production, along with forthcoming seasons of The Mandalorian. And those seem like fairly sure bets, uh, but there's no need for us to get too hung up on practicality tonight, uh, nor, for that matter, the heaviest themes like the Force or the Skywalker bloodline need to be a a part of our discussions. Let's keep it fun and free. Let's suppose uh, you are the one in charge and your instincts are right on the money, Where are you going to steer this thing next? So, Ross, um, I wanted to include before we discuss what our top six lists are, the fact that you know a lot more extended canon than I do, and that has always uh, played a role in our discussions. Do you find that knowledge was empowering in your uh, your assignment this week, or did you find that to be a little bit restraining? Because I felt so free not knowing everything about what already exists in canon. Uh, I think based on uh, maybe something we just touched about uh, just chatting, I think it maybe did restrict me a little bit because there are some things that uh, I have maybe because I know more things, I have more questions. And as a result of that, I feel like there are specific opportunities that 
are staring us right in the face potentially. And there are some that are time specific. I also did take a level of realism into consideration uh, under the mind that uh, what Disney may actually do. So nothing that would be beyond the scope of reality. Um, and there are some things that I felt were um, not even necessarily like I get there's I guess maybe number six, for example, my number six, when I get into it, um, there was a little bit of a level of, well, do I really want to see this or do I feel compelled to see this or what's the driving factor behind why I want to, why has this made my list? Is this something, am I just thinking from within all of the, the questions that I have and potentially all the, the low hanging fruit? Um, because it's low hanging, I don't want it to go rotten sort of thing. Um, that's, I guess, maybe my mindset. I was a little bit maybe more protective in a couple cases um, and maybe felt that maybe the trilogies were the, the better approach to go for some of those wilder concepts or some of those brander, like newer ideas and exploring new eras and really deep uh, facets of the force. Um, there are certain concepts that I don't want, don't want to get into in case they maybe were with the way you interpreted the task, how you are on your list. Um, but uh, I guess we can kind of get to that. Um, yeah, okay, why do, you, why do you start? Yeah. This is your number six. Did you feel uh, okay with how I described it going in? Uh, your sixth yeah. favorite? Yeah. Uh, potential stories or characters you'd like to see touched upon going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And so this would be a Disney Plus show, Star Wars, Crimson Dawn. Uh, and it would focus on main character Kira uh, and Maul being a, a main character side character, uh, Lando also being a character, um, and I believe also importantly, um, Michael K. Williams. Uh, bring him back uh, after being cut out of Solo, uh, make him an evil Bothan, make him a new character entirely as opposed to filling any Dryden Voss role and then slide him in there. I know you've got uh, that something similar on your list coming up so we can we can move on from there. But uh, yeah, that's number six on my list. And as someone who's not a huge Solo fan, I was like, do I really, really want to see this? And as much as Solo maybe irks me in a couple ways, uh, I, do I do really want to see this show. And it's really interesting that you actually brought in Michael K. Williams. Just for those who don't realize, he was originally cast to play Dryden Voss. Um, and then for whatever reason, they just decided it wasn't going to work out or he was going to play a character similar. It was, yeah, it was a character very similar. And, uh, there are some, um, lion esque, I don't know if they are Bothans, um, but there are some similar, I don't think they are, but who are work on Dryden Voss's team. And I think they were supposed to be the same species. Um, but he played Dryden Voss's character and when they had to do the reshoots, when Ron Howard took over, uh, it didn't oh, work anymore yeah. and so they had to recast. And he was a really good sport about it too. Like he's definitely he deserving was, yeah. of a mulligan in the Star Wars universe. And he's he's just a cool actor. He's got uh he's got the look and he's got the intensity. And so he definitely deserves another shot. I like that idea. Listen, my number six is a is a little bit uh, broad concept. I've titled it the mechanics. This is a new premise, um, not specifically centered around any existing Star Wars characters, although ample room uh, for them to appear throughout. This is a Disney Plus procedural series I've conceived of. Um, that could be set on any high traffic planet. So it could be Coruscant. Oh, I love this already. Um, it could be, it doesn't even have to be a planet we're familiar with. It could be multiple planets. Uh, it would feature an ensemble of blue collar professionals, mechanics, technicians, trades, aliens. This is essentially a workplace show. Um, and they operate docking bays and service stops. And this way we can have regular visits from all these different aspects of Star Wars culture, cameos. Um, we can learn about all kinds of different lands through them. Um, and, and all of these different 
characters and, and drive-bys can provide diverse adventures, I think, for our, our core characters. Ultimately, this is a character study about relationships that happen, uh, and it just happens to be set in the galaxy far, far away. But it's a, it's a workplace show, like Grey's Anatomy, but it's in Star Wars. And they oh, were... I think that's really cool, especially the mechanics concept. It, it lines in so well with um, different Star Wars problems that could be had and diving into questions that are in the galaxy far, far away that wouldn't be answered in, in other ways. Um, and I mean, whether it's, it could be centered around, uh, Corellia probably, or the Kuat shipyards, uh, which were going to be the opening sequence of Duel of the Fates and Colin Trevorrow's script. Um, there you could do something that is the Colossus, which is like a giant barge, uh, and that's in the show, the resistance. Uh, but you could do also some sort of like giant, like, um, like space, like in space, space station sort of thing where it could be. Um, like in a in the in a in a in the orbit of a planet, but or a moon or something. But it's actually like this giant space station that ships come in on. That's a really cool concept. I would love to see that. I think it'd be really fun. It's interesting. You just mentioned like being on a space station. Like Space Force was such a tank, right? It's it didn't work at all on Netflix and. Maybe that's for a series of other reasons. I don't. I don't think that this should be a I don't comedy. Think it would be like that. Maybe it would have like the wry sense of humor of a lot of Star Wars, but it should be essentially like a drama. And it, there's ample opportunity for you to to um, dramatize um, all kinds of different moral gray areas as well. You know, like if they work at a docking bay, there's going to be drug storylines. There's going to be mafioso, and like uh, I think that's uh, an interesting uh, kind of. Uh, open area that Star Wars lends itself to really well. Absolutely. Well, I know this is moving at kind of a of a clip, but I have a, of a similar ish idea for my number five. If you okay. want to go there, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not it's not really similar, but in the in the same theme of having a potential um, kind of space station uh, where there's a lot of traffic through and the kind of the drug trade and piracy and a little bit of crime there. Uh, and this one, uh, Star Wars, uh, Hidden in Villainy. Uh, and I think Quinlan Voss, uh, that is, uh, he's a Jedi. He was in the Clone Wars. Uh, towards the end of the Clone Wars, he was actually hypnotized by Dooku uh, and became his kind of like dark side assassin for a short while until he kind of broke free of that. Um, he is seen in hiding on Tatooine. You would recognize Quinlan Voss. He's the Jedi with the yellow tattoo across his face. It's just a yellow stripe across his nose. Okay. Uh, he's a very, very interesting uh, kind of cowboy-esque Jedi. He was put on a bunch of secretive missions. He went undercover constantly while he was a Jedi. Uh, and he was uh, considered a bit of a loose cannon, but he was a good friend of Obi-Wan's. Uh, and he does not currently have a cannon death. And so this would take place two years after Order 66, where he has gone to Maz Kanata to get a new identity, because uh, she's alive and kicking perfectly fine at this point uh and he joins uh the the world of piracy because he's gone through such loss um of order 66 and then right before order 66 being turned into a dark side kind of like assassin uh and the fear of being uh put in a position again by darth vader or the emperor not wanting to become involved in the rebellion but wanting to kind of uh, retire and allow himself the ability to to maybe escape from uh, the inevitable doom of all other Jedi in the galaxy. But of course, that'll create a lot of PTSD and conflict within him. Uh, but kind of that shipped over from being uh, a Jedi and a hero to being a pirate in hiding with no interest in becoming uh, a good guy. And you can get um, 
Mazcanada in there, and you can go back to Taco Donna with that place. Uh, I also, I think Andrew Garfield would play a good uh, Quinlan Voss. Nice. Uh, and I think that could lead the, uh, the cast well. Uh, but a guy like Jesse Plemons could be a really good character. Uh, Terry O'Quinn um, from Lost. Uh, Kristen Ritter would also be another good, good people who could really fill out kind of a dark cast of Band of Misfits. You can do it similar to the show Rebels, but not necessarily as uh, Heart of Gold as those characters. Mm. Um, a little bit more wanting to survive. A little bit more the way the characters in Rebels are uh, at the very start of the show. Doing a little bit of Robin Hood work, but mostly just trying to survive uh, as opposed to being part of like this big grand picture. And I think you could do a lot with that. Uh, it doesn't like you can introduce a bunch of other characters. You could do a little bit of Bounty Hunters. You could do a Jabba storyline. Uh, you could do uh, 1313 on Coruscant, that floor. Uh, so there's a lot you could do with this show. I think it could be really fun. Isn't it interesting that piracy hasn't been better exploited already in Star Wars? Like the closest thing we have to a pirate is. Han Solo, and he's he kind of is that, but he's such a lone ranger that like pirates do have this kind of internal loyalty, and so uh, you call them a, a merry band of misfits. Like that is kind of something we need to see a little bit more of, and especially if there is a moral compromise to them, and you're actually like they're anti heroes. Like that would be pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, I think that could be really cool. Um, and then of course you eventually realize that maybe one of them is a little bit more anti than hero and then there is but it does also maybe do a little bit of drawing lines in the sand and maybe no one's it's not so much like han and beckett whereas like beckett's the bad guy and han's got the ultimate heart of gold maybe it's not quite so like that but at the same time it does still need to be star wars and have um some key morals behind it and some guiding principles of course um but with that said i think it could be really cool and you just mentioned there's no one really like a pirate but a character who uh, when you go to Galaxy's Edge, when we go to Galaxy's Edge, eventually you'll you'll get to meet this character, or if eventually we sh I show you a few episodes of Clone Wars uh, or Rebels, and if this character appears, but uh, it's Hondo Onaka, uh, and uh, he is uh, he's a weak way, so he's got one of those he's like those cracked skinned guys that are part of Unjabba's sail barge, um, and they're a, like he he is a, a pirate king. Uh, and so he is uh, one of the funniest characters. He's voiced by Jim Cummings, uh, Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Um, and he is one of the best characters. He's a top 20 character in Star Wars, in my opinion. Uh, I anticipate seeing him eventually in The Mandalorian. Uh, he is such a fun character and absolutely would perfectly fit in this show. I think well. I think one of the reasons they haven't explored like traditional like Jack Sparrow type piracy in Star Wars is that part of what star, how Star Wars operates is on a chain of command. Like that's what the empire mm. is a metaphor for and like beneath the emperor uh, everybody else answers to somebody. Everybody has a boss. Everybody belongs to somebody and that's kind of antithetical to what piracy is. I mean, I guess you mm -hmm. have a captain but like there and I guess that's why we like Han because he also flies by his own rules. But um, I, I yeah, I like the idea of some people living off the grid outside the system because everything is yes, so systemic. Off the grid's a great one. So systemic in Star Wars, and I'd like that to be kind of um, busted up a little bit. That's a great one. Very cool. Cool. Okay, so You're number five. My number five. Um, I need you to hear me out on this. I suspect this not to be a popular choice. I myself would only want this if it was handled very cleverly and sparingly. Uh, but I want to expand on just how long ago and just how far away. I'm not saying we should go to Earth in Star Wars. I'm not not saying it either. But in some way, 
I would be so fascinated to learn what the realistic parallels are with their universe and ours. Maybe we meet a character from Earth along the way who can convey the age of our planet as a frame of reference just so we know when and where and what we're working with. Maybe it involves the world between worlds. Worlds. I, I don't know what it is or how, um, and I don't want the coexistence between Star Wars and our world to be overly exploited. Uh, I don't want Star Trek, for example, but give me something. When and where is Earth respective to Star Wars? You can't tell me you're not curious. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, but I am, and I think the only way is the world between worlds, which I hate that you said that because I don't think it would ever be used that way. Uh, <laughs> but, not, but you know what I mean. Uh, no, I think uh, it cannot uh exist at the same time i think we're talking before humans on earth uh is the long time ago of a long time ago well this that's is really... the way i would like it to be interesting uh, so so that what you said is not a thing this is really um, the conversation i want to have uh, more than i want to have it with yeah. with disney or with lucasfilm or disney plus i want to have it with you because i don't think you've ever said that to me before we all are so charmed by the phrase a long time ago in a galaxy far far away but it's so vague on purpose it's incredibly yes. vague and that's what makes it so rich immediately star wars is uh kind of hooks you with this this blue lettering um but i never would have thought it was pre-human that's what i would like it to be yes oh wow it's that yeah, many I mean, thousands yeah i don't think there's any reason why it wouldn't be i mean their technology is so insanely beyond ours and when you think about how long humans have been around versus how long things have been around and galaxies have been around i think it makes only sense that there could be galaxies that would be so far beyond what we are now in the same way that if there's living beings that can remotely resemble us in other galaxies and so i think if we're talking about a long time ago in a galaxy far far away i want time and space to not permit earth to be um reachable to buy them okay but earth is a rock out there somewhere like what i'm saying is i don't i don't want like a lot of coexistence i don't need for them to like land down on earth and there's the statue of liberty mm. i'm just saying like wouldn't it be interesting if we had just some kind of shred of an idea that would or maybe like you know just the premise that eventually you make enough star wars stories post return of the jedi and eventually it's not as long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It's less long ago. Do you know what I mean? Like that's true. maybe someday we create a story that Star Wars like jumps 10,000 years into their own timeline and suddenly there's there, you know, there's a T-Rex or something. I, I, I hate that example, but like, I just mean there. I like to think it's millions of years ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, so, how about this? And, and, and that. I, we're, I'm hoping that Disney doesn't expand the Star Wars timeline millions of years. How about Thousands this? still work well. We finally defeat the greatest Sith Lord of all time, and there's a tremendous galactic explosion, and that is the Big Bang, which creates the Milky Way galaxy. Um, as long as that's the last Star Wars story that comes out before <laughs> I die. If that's the case, then hell yes. And sorry to all of the rest of you. Eventually but... <laughs> in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> that's right. All right, your uh, number four, please. Uh, my number four is one that uh, has certainly been rumored in the past uh, and will likely one day come, uh, I believe, is a, a really clean entry point into uh, a longer time ago in a galaxy far, far away. 
um, and longer than the higher public um, and into kind of the older public era. Uh, but uh, Star Wars, the rule of two. And so do a show focused uh, immediately after uh, Darth Bane um, enacts the great Sith purge. Uh, I think it's, I don't know exactly how it's done in the Darth Bane books. It's, it's, I think it's done with bombs of sorts. I'm not exactly sure, but uh, you can allude to it in different ways or big flash bang to bombs. It. Is it big bang bombs that create galaxies? No, not like that. I think like Shoot. nukes, um, but I'm not 100% sure. I didn't actually, I've never read the Darth Bane books. I've just uh, read in-depth summaries of the character um, and his impact on the galaxy. Uh, and it's a phenomenal character. And I've heard great things about the trilogy as well. Uh, I think uh, someone like Liev Schreiber would play a great Bane. Uh, he doesn't age, it seems, but you probably would have to get on that if you'd want to get someone like him. Uh, and then his apprentice, Darth Xana, uh, you would need someone... Um, uh, a young athletic female in her 20s or 30s. Um, and then she would eventually, by the end of the series, kill Darth Bane, uh, further continuing the rule of two. Uh, but really, it would provide so much lore uh, in kind of guiding uh, different eras, but it would allow it to be expository by them hiding in the shadows and having to be um, deceptive and tricking people. Uh, and then it, you can have them doing a lot of your classic villainous moves by... Uh, uh, exploiting their plans uh, with absurd levels of exposition to try and get information out of people, and then they can kill them um, with no issues whatsoever. Uh, this would be as dark as I think Star Wars should go, probably, uh, in this show. Uh, really, really not being one meant for young kids um, and being something that is very 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 character intense mm. uh ray donovan i love that show i mean it got a little crazy towards the end uh but that's kind of the reason why i thought leah schreiber just because of the intensity that he brings i mean he's that that guy he's a boston born um cleaner whereas this is the one of the greatest sith lords of all time but just in terms of that commanding uh just fear you can have within a conversation um, but at the same time, uh, also just physically commanding. Uh, it could be a really interesting show uh, and really expand lore for a lot of people um, and bring in some new fans of like that Game of Thrones style, uh, even maybe more than the Mando is. I think it would expand lore for a lot of people, myself included, but I wonder, are the stakes too low for people like yourself who haven't even read the books and already seem to know the fate of Darth Bane, like you just mentioned yeah. that his apprentice goes on to kill him, like that does kind of neuter some of the drama if he's supposed to be our lead character. That's true, but it is the rule of two. Yeah. And so it's almost self-fulfilling in that same way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I can maybe get to it a little bit later on as to why I maybe feel that way. But uh, no, I, I think this is one, it, it would be really interesting to be able to um, dive into that other side. If we're going to see more from the High Republic, we're going to see the great uh, kind of the Jedi at their peak. This is the Sith realizing that, oh, let's let's restart from a, a completely different era. This can explain uh, a lot of the stuff that was maybe confusing in the Rise of Skywalker as well. Uh, you can have a lot of this take place on Exegol, for God's sake, and then boom, there you go. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think it could be really interesting to kind of just dive into that lore, but also um, potentially the creation of the the dogma that is the Sith as well, and the 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 blow the error that was Darth Bane's creation of the Rule of Two, his intention to die uh, being its greatest flaw. I do find it interesting to 
conceive of like a bunch of Sith, like a pre-rule of two Sith culture um, and how that's I, kind of established. That's cool. I think it would be better, though, immediately post that. I mean, you could have like the first season dealing with flashbacks to that, but um, like mm -hmm. right after killing them all. That's cool. I like that actually better. I, I think it makes more sense if you make Darth Xana. Is that who you, is that a that making her the main character? Kind of makes her the main character. That makes more sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's who, that's fair. Who would you cast for her then? I wasn't really sure. It was kind of one that I was uh, of all of them. I had two that I wasn't the the most sure on. Um, kind of just flipping through inspiration. I I really couldn't settle on anybody. Um, How young? You could have someone uh, like you could go with someone like young, and you could get away with someone like Zendaya potentially. Um, what about and Zoe? That could maybe work. What about Zoe Kravitz? Zoe Kravitz could uh, definitely work, but I think uh, if you're going with Catwoman, uh, she just she's playing there. There's going to be, I think, some similarities in um, uh, the way the character would be presented, but I sure. think that that could also be a good audition for it, and maybe, you could say in that same way. Maybe we're just thinking of Z names. Yeah, maybe that's possible. That's, yeah. uh, that's uh, cool. That is potentially exactly what we both did. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go my number four. Um, Star Wars has an opportunity to explore genre in creative ways that I don't think it totally has done, with the exception maybe of Rogue One, which is this like very clear heist film. Um, they can do it with the TV medium even more creatively. Marvel has done it really well. They've managed to preserve a cinematic tone that's uniform through all of their 20-some films. They're also able to explore other storytelling formulas along the way. And an example of that is Spider-Man Homecoming, which is a high school-based sensitive teen comedy in the tradition of John Hughes. And I would like to see what Lucasfilm can do with that genre. Can we devise a grounded Jedi Academy series in which the characters are, say, 15 years old, dealing with all of the typical trials and tribulations of being a teenager on top of all the Star Wars stuff that's essential? Or maybe it's Hogwarts for Jedi but it's also got the light, wry sense of humor that we expect of all Star Wars things. I'm just dealing exclusively in younger people rather mm. than one young protagonist around a bunch of savvier adults. I want to see yeah, I, I want to see young Jedis in school. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. Uh, it's interesting what time period you do it in. Uh, you have to do it in a time period that's, unless you want Yoda to be a main character, like that's kind of a way, a way you have to think about it in that regard. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a fantastic idea. I think that would be a really engaging show. It would get a great uh, new level of audience as well. Uh, I think you potentially also want to um, maybe go back to a different era so that they don't. You can uh, get around some aesthetic uh, downsides George Lucas maybe created uh, in the prequel era, uh, in the sense that these are all going to be Padawans, so all the men are going to look like idiots if they're men You're right. uh, humans they're gonna yeah. have those rat tails uh so if maybe you want to go back a few thousand years uh in maybe the sith are still around and so there's a bit more of a, a reason for them to train with their sabers and there's a little bit more um actual stakes like there is in like hogwarts whereas there's death eaters in Voldemort. i think it'd be a really cool show i think that makes a lot of sense maybe maybe really it has cool. to be post ray Maybe, but then you lose a lot of the infrastructure that I think um, you would need to build a show like that. Whereas you have something like a Hogwarts, you'd need kind of like a Jedi Temple, I would think. 
um, in which case you're it, so right. you also would need a lot of students and you need a lot of masters. What's the point in casting your Noah Centineos and your Finn Wolfharts if we got to cut off all that hair for a silly rat tail? That's not exactly. going to please your audience. No, but I think you can go probably um, like 3,000. You can go Old Republic. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Three, go 3,000, 4,000 years before... Um, well, that's kind uh, of our current saga era. That's kind and, of my uh, thesis with this installment is the fact that whether you're on Earth going to high school or you're, you know, young and force sensitive, it's tough to be a young person and to come yeah. of age. And Star Wars is sort of a coming of age story traditionally, but in like a rising to the occasion. Yeah, uh, I'm fr frankly, Harry Potter is that, too. But like, I don't know, I've been watching lots of Dawson's Creek and there's there's good drama in there, man. People like it. And it doesn't have to be schmaltzy either. Like I'm making these. Uh, Finn Wolfhart jokes. It doesn't have to be a soap. I'm not saying I want that. I'm just saying like The Breakfast Club, but in Star Wars. I think it'd be kind of sick. Yeah, no, I, I really think um, Harry Potter is the is the very, very, very clear sure. uh, model to follow. And um, I think it, it the age group, it hits really well at the same capacity. Uh, the yeah, it, it's such a great comparison, but I agree. It's something that Star Wars hasn't done and allows it to unapologetically return to some of its roots as well. Yeah. Um, with the intention of making it for children, with some of those key themes that are about just morality and growing up in that capacity. Um, and then it allows you to have, uh, when you have such big stakes like that, to have bigger metaphors too and uh more impactful moments so i love that and i think that's one that uh should absolutely should be a guarantee slam dunk yeah there should be zero chance that that doesn't happen i would say that i, I don't think that's maybe the case i mean there's a chance we could never see this but i think that would be such a ridiculous missed opportunity it strikes it's me just seems so clearly engaging honestly it strikes me a little more as something they would do as an animated show and i would be down for that too maybe but i don't want them i to, don't i don't want them to skew it too young is my only thing that's my thing that's part of the reason as to why i don't think they would want to do it as an animated show i think if you want to go for something like this um because i think to a degree the reason why resistance doesn't work but something like rebels and clone wars do work is because they're mature enough that an adult can enjoy them, but they're also colorful and fun and not scary enough that a kid can't watch them. Right. A kid does not fully understand what's going on in Clone Wars or Rebels. They also don't fully understand what's going on in any of the Star Wars movies either. <laughs> that's true. Having so been one of those like, kids, I concur. Exactly. And so... You don't need to know what everything that's going on like they intend to do for like Star Wars Resistance. And so I think that because the main characters are kids, it would hurt the potential audience if they did go the animated route. And I think that if you do go with something that's bigger budget and potentially this is one that maybe makes more sense for a trilogy. Um, and then establish and is used to establish a new era. Yeah. Um, although I do like the notion of television if you want to have such a big cast because you can really dive deep into a lot of those characters. And I think this show lends itself to have more than one main character in that sense, which is something that would make sense. Well, and that's the big distinction between this and Harry Potter is I don't want there to be one chosen one. I'm not interested exactly. in that story again. But yeah, give me a great ensemble of like young quality actors 
And uh, let's get back to basics with uh, with what the Jedi are, too. We're also interested in the tradition of the Jedi. Show me some of that, for goodness sake. Yeah, like maybe it's uh, maybe it's like triplets or something, like three main characters or something that uh, allow them. Okay, there's a family connection. Boom. But they're all taken at birth away from their parents, but they at least still know that they're siblings. And that's one thing that unites them and makes them slightly different from everybody else. I love it. Okay, great. Okay, cool. so it's your turn for number three, I believe. My number three is an animated show, uh, and that would be Star Wars Master Skywalker. Uh, This taking place 12 years after uh, Return of the Jedi, where um, a new or young Ben Solo uh, is just joining uh, Master Luke Skywalker. This is not going to be going from Ben to Ren. Uh, There'll be illusions of his potential turn and his anger. Uh, and uh, potential issues that he has with his parents and issues that he has with Luke. Uh, And then you'll introduce Snoke at some point. Uh, But this is about Luke Skywalker. Uh, You get Mark Hamill, one of the best voice actors in the world. Uh, You get him an opportunity to be Luke Skywalker again, and you take this show seriously the same way you take the Clone Wars. Uh, It's high budget. Uh, In the animation, you can do some really engaging stories having uh, Luke, uh, Laura Santeca, uh, young Ben Solo, exploring the galaxy. Um, you can tie up a lot of uh, kind of loose ends that connect with uh, Return of the Jedi in that way. And it really allows you um, your one final kick at the can with Luke Skywalker. Uh, Luke Skywalker, would be, getting one movie of Luke Skywalker post-Return of the Jedi <clears throat> doesn't seem to be enough for a lot of people. And as much as I love The Last Jedi and his use in it, I still would like a little bit more Luke Skywalker. And I think the best way to do that is through animation. And the best way to do that is to get Mark Hamill back. And I don't think you're going to get him back in live action. You're never going to get Adam Driver back, uh, especially as a 12-year-old. Uh, so doing an animation gives you uh, liberty there and gives you liberty if you need to use Han and Leia at certain points. Uh, it allows you to get across, get away with any of the issues that would uh, be there because it's filmed so much later than um, mid-90s, which is when it would need to be if it were live action, um, but still gets you Mark Hamill in that role uh, and can be really engaging. You don't need to do it very long, maybe three seasons, um, but having it is very exploratory, um, and um, you can have Snoke be uh, the ultimate baddie who's pulling the strings, which ultimately we know Palpatine's pulling the strings on that, but um, it could be quite engaging. Yeah, I mean, this is not only the best idea that either of us have had so far this evening, it's such a good idea. They are truly crazy not to do this. Like this is, I this, think so. this is print money. Like this, this is this solves a lot of problems. And you're right; it gives them an opportunity to smooth some things over, to satisfy more people. Um, you know, both the haters and the lovers can be satisfied by this. Uh, Prime Luke Skywalker too. Absolutely, and Mark Hamill. And you're right; you're not getting Adam Driver back, but you don't need him. Um, I don't. The only thing I, I I'm not totally sold on is a whole lot of Snoke. I don't know if that, I also think that's kind of neutered by the fact that Snoke kind of just gets like rubbed out anyway. And um, I think, I definitely think that we can start to incorporate some of his hauntings that are, that are of course, that's more what I mean. Yeah. Um, And then have ultimately the, the, the baddie or the, whatever we find out the, the big resolution in the end is ultimately not as resolved as we maybe think because Snoke was ultimately behind it is what I sort of mean. I also only think you do it if you do, in fact, build it up to Ben's turn. I think that's the whole point of the show. Yeah. So maybe he has to be a little older than 12? 
canonically they've given us an answer to it and it's not enough no um and it's also not necessarily something i know if i want to see animated and then if he's also he is quite a bit older in that case and so i don't know exactly what the big inciting event is but i don't know if it make i don't know if it works if it does lead up to his turn um i think you i think the turn has already been made and it's not super convincing so i think if we can plant the roots of his hauntings and make those a little bit more convincing it allows and maybe you do some flash forwards to it i don't know i don't know that it wouldn't really work in animation i wouldn't think um and i don't know, I don't why know. You would do it. maybe maybe it does need it but i i i would i would be worried well these are things that could be storyboarded and considered but regardless i think that that's a, a brilliant idea and it it's honestly the, the only animated show that i actually would line up in front of like that's I think a lot of people would. Yeah, me too. I think that's a fabulous idea. Great. Anything more you want to say about that? I don't have anything to add to it because I think it's really thorough and clever. Cool. Yeah, no, uh, that's pretty much all I had. Didn't have much to say on that one. But uh, yeah, I think that's one that really in the next two to three years should be something they slapped on on, on Mark Hamill's plate and, and beg him to return for. So my number three is kind of uh, very related to your number six. You had called it a, a Crimson Dawn based show. I was just kind of focusing on Kira in particular, but we're asking the same questions here. And some of the questions I wrote down um, uh, include uh, what leads her to Crimson Dawn, but more interestingly, after the fact, what occurs um, after the events of Solo, a Star Wars story uh, in terms of Kira, how high in the ranks does she rise? Does she eventually die or is she still out there? Does she continue to have an inconsistent moral compass or does she just get more and more evil and power hungry? Does she ever see Han again, which I'm curious about? Um, and I, I think we can have these answered without having to put Alden Ehrenreich in the lead role of a film again, which is never going to happen in Star Wars. But no. it's, it's not that I'm, I, I desperately don't want to see his face again. If we're doing Kira, yeah, we can bring back Alden for an episode. I'm open to that um, because that is uh, essentially why we have Kira in the first place. And as you mentioned, though, that's a deeply flawed movie. They did tap into something really curious about her. Uh, and you mentioned Maul as well. Like, that's probably our last opportunity to have a really good Maul story. Certainly it is in, yep. in live action. Um, and, and just ever since we've we've discussed Solo ad nauseum and through all of our criticisms of it, the, my big takeaway even more so is, no, I got to know more about Kira. I'm tremendously dissatisfied with that as the full story. Yeah, I agree. And I think it can take place like started a year after Solo. Mm. Take, make, it can take place over a few years. Eventually, we know that Maul gets stranded on Malachor. So what happens there? Does Kira find a way to strand him there and take control of Crimson Dawn? Uh, is that done maybe towards like the start of the final season or like the end of the second last season? And then the last season is a little bit more about how she fares as the leader um, or I don't know how do you kill her in that way? Do you have the final season be the uh, confrontation with Han so you can bring Alden back for that one? Um, there's a few options there, but I think it, I definitely agree. It's something that could be a really cool timeline. Um, you can have somebody brought in. Um, uh, Palpatine would make sense to be the one to um, woo her. Uh, well, to to. To convince her to to strand Maul, um, or to he he's he's after like it makes sense for Palpatine to go out of his way to fuck Maul over if Maul's gaining power. Yeah, 
if he notices, oh my God, seriously, I've kicked Maul to the gutter so many times. How does this guy keep coming back? Uh, so it would make sense for him to either like, or maybe like uh, Michael K. Williams works for Palpatine um, and is like secretly um, uh, planting bugs to in ways to disrupt Maul. Uh, but I think it's it's an important show. It would also, it would make Maul, uh, it would have to not make Maul look stupid. Um, it would have to make Maul look so insane mm. and uh, angry. And so it would, it would require a performance from Sam Witwer. Um, but it would probably could be done quite well. And uh, I think uh, Kira would be a really compelling lead character. I think uh, if you have her from her perspective, as opposed to being the, the kind of side character who seems like she's got an inconsistent moral compass, I think if she's the main character, I think we could maybe start to understand that a little bit more uh, and could be a really sympathetic character. Sure. Do you think that she sees Han again? I think she probably does. I think she does. Uh, and I don't, I don't think she, I think it could very, I think it makes sense to be the death of her probably. I think, um, I think probably it, they meet and she is sorry and she kind of still has feelings for him, cares about him and he is over it. He's like, he has yeah, no time for I her could, at all. Yeah, I, I, I could see that for sure. Um, I could also see them maybe not getting to have a conversation hmm. and her doing something. I could, I could see her making a sack. I could see her killing her, making a sacrifice in the end sort of thing. Do you um, think, do you think but, she's out there in the times of the original trilogy? Like, do you have any fan theories about the fate of Kira? Is she out there while Han's out there falling in love with Leia? And does she know well, about Leia? Well, that's the thing. I don't really, I kind of want her to probably die before A New Hope. She kind of has to die, doesn't she? Because if not, where is she? It can't be that big of a deal what she's working on because we've got much bigger fish to fry elsewhere in the galaxy and suddenly I don't care that much. Unless yeah, she dies. It, just, it doesn't seem to make sense uh, if she, she would have to have lost all of her power or something because ultimately she should be like one of Jabba's, she should be able to, you know, convince Jabba to fork over Han and pay enough fees or something. Right. It doesn't make sense. I think she should be dead before the original trilogy. Um, so that would be interesting though. That's in, there's a lot of that potentially knowing the fate of the character, but you wouldn't know the fate of this character. You would just assume it. And then ultimately it would come a la Rogue One. That's what makes it a good story. That's why I'm curious. Cause we, yep. we can, we can kind of speculate on some things, but we don't know. And I think there's probably a good story to tell. Uh, time for your number two, sir. My number two would be Star Wars Between Worlds. And so this one right here would be the story that is coming in some shape or form. Um, and uh, I hope comes in, in a form like this, but we will get it one way or another. I think it would be cool to be a live action. You have Ahsoka and Sabine and Rex out searching for Thrawn and Ezra. And it allows it to be kind of a a journey searching show like the Mandalorian in one half, but be a very divided show. And I think the much more interesting side would be uh, shipwrecked on a moon uh, in a star destroyer, Thrawn and Ezra. So you have a budding young Jedi uh, and a grand admiral and the grand admiral's entire fleet. The grand admiral is not ultimately aligned with the empire. Mm. The grand admiral has other allegiances to his home world. And so, Ultimately, his not being a baddie and Ezra 
being very smart and then being stranded and the benefits that they would have if you have it as like a hostile environment, you have this kind of like shipwrecked show with unlikely allies who have to kind of find ways to work together. Uh, Thrawn, you can bring Lars Mikkelsen in, make him live action. Um, for Ezra, you could hire um, someone like um, Mina Masood, who is Aladdin. Yeah. Uh, or, or Dev Patel uh, or uh, this guy, Rahul Kohli, who is in iZombie, who has been like petitioning hard to be Ezra. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> he, keeps t- he keeps tweeting about it. Uh, he says, working on my older Ezra Bridger beard <laughs> and tweeted pictures of himself. And he's been like totally screwing with Star Wars fans who think that and he had to tweet. He was like, guys, I'm. I I like Star Wars and would love to be in it. That's why I'm saying these things. I do not have a part in Star Wars. Good for him, though. That's honestly, that's not a small thing. If he can actually develop no. a little traction. And and that's the thing. He's a, a good actor. People seemed who liked the show seemed to think it was a, a, a great fit. He looks the part. And so, I mean, things like that. You know, I'm always in favor of people who love Star Wars uh, being in Star Wars. Yeah. And so I think it could be a really interesting show. Uh, it connects so many things out. Uh, you get Ahsoka the White uh, and so I'm not really sure um, whose perspective, like, do you take it from maybe Sabine and Ezra as their kind of main perspectives from their their side of the groups? Um, you can also get Thrawn's uh, kind of sidekick, Eli Vanto. You could bring him in. He's a really interesting character with a southern accent, one of the only southern accent characters in Star Wars. Oh, that's um, he's, he's a blue-collar uh, shipping expert, and so he's a, he's a math savant, and so Thrawn uh, really... Um, really uh, grew to like him when they were kind of rising up through the ranks and he helped push him through the ranks too. He sounds so. like he could be a good character in the mechanics. Uh, very much so, or at least some people in his family, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some, uh, that's actually one thing, a show like your, like the mechanics show, there are so many characters in the Star Wars uh, universe through books and comics and every other medium out there that, would make sense to be in that show. You could scrape it together uh, already. And yeah. you could and you could make it so rich for people who are canon junkies and it wouldn't make any difference to people who didn't know who any of those characters were. Yeah. I'd tell you. And it's it a would, good idea. Th- there could be characters who was like I wouldn't even know and then you tell me, "Oh, remember that book you read 3 years ago? Oh, that character was 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 in two chapters of it." And I'd be like, "Oh, fuck, really? I got to read that again. That's so cool." Yeah. So like there's definitely things you could do like that. Endlessly gratifying. Well, this also yeah. sounds really cool too. Um, I like the shipwreck uh, aspect. Like that's such a funny thing. Like it's it's so easy to forget that we're essentially just using like nautical tropes as we fly around in spaceships. So why not use all of them? Yeah, and I think the big thing with this is you can explore uh, the world between worlds a bit. You can because Ahsoka is kind of like Ahsoka the White, uh, and so there's a little bit of kind of existentialism and time and space there as well uh you could have them blasted out into unknown space so that is a big part of it and so it's like kind of mapping the galaxy you can do some stuff with wayfinders here which would be really interesting to kind of make sense a little bit more of that um and then having traveling through kind of unknown regions so i think it'd be a really cool way to explore space as well uh in kind of an, an interesting way while as uh, ahsoka and sabine and rex look for thrawn and Ezra. All right, my number two is something we have, in fact, verbally stumbled upon uh, in a live taping of of this podcast in the past. It was just like a hypothetical of them using Star Wars as the stage to create an old-fashioned crime noir detective series. I think we were talking about how to further explore Coruscant as like an ecosystem in Star Wars, and I do think it it has to be set on Coruscant. It has to be. Uh, But let's get really traditional 
let's use all the cliches, melancholy jazz themes in the score. Let's use voiceover at the beginning and the end of each episode. Yes. Let's, let's feature uh, like a galactic gumshoe who solves crimes on the gritty, rainy back streets of the city planet. And how's this for radical? Let's do portions of it in black and white. I love it. I want Paul Dano. I want genre to play a role in Star Wars in a bigger way. I want like little serialized mysteries. And I think this is a really fun avenue for that. I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. There's there's things that are done that are reminiscent of this in the Clone Wars. Of course, there's reminiscent of the Obi-Wan in Attack of the Clones uh, kind of detective arc. Uh, I love this so much. I think there's ways in which you can do kind of like a subtle, the way that, um, uh, oh, this is, uh, so the type of music that Figrin Dan plays, yeah, uh, and that's the Mos Eisley Cantina. Right. Uh, it's not jazz, it's jizz. Oh uh, my God. So, <laughs> I know, but um, you can, yeah, so you can, you, they even have the, the, the galaxy far, far away versions of uh, types of music. And so I think that is so great. I love the idea of doing, uh, maybe a small portion of it in black and white. Uh, yeah, not all of it. That would get tiring. But like, definitely like play to the strengths. Like maybe in the introduction, as we like set yes. the stage for each episode, we establish it can slowly what, transition into yeah, like Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and just like yeah. Oh, I th I think that would be really fun. And and like, I think it's really cool. Is the main character a Jedi? Oh, I hadn't thought that. Probably not. But I mean, we could discuss that. I don't see Paul Dano as a Jedi. That's fair. But um, I wouldn't either. But, but no. you would think he would be the main character. Like that's well, I, the thing about about these gumshoe detectives is that they tend to blend in, right? They just tend to be like a guy in the back of the room with the big, like, tall collar who's just watching, and that's not a Jedi. A Jedi is so, um, especially like in Coruscant, is, is so integrated, is so like um, on the grid, as it were. Unless you're okay. Obi Wan in another era, I guess. But like, maybe maybe this is in the post uh, Order sixty six era. That might be better actually, because then it's like really craven in Coruscant. So we can yeah. Assume. Well, if you, if you want to make Coruscant like its shittiest, then it's yeah post Order sixty six, uh, and then it's there's less of a need for it to be a Jedi. I don't um, think I want him to be a Jedi. I think I want him to be kind of an everyman. Okay, cool. This yeah. is interesting. I like this a lot. I love yeah. the voiceover at the start too. I think that's very. Uh, Star Warsy and playing on those kind of tropes, yeah. the way that uh, Clone Wars interprets them slightly differently, but still makes them feel uh, so old school and um, you know mid nineteen hundreds. Well, and and there are a couple of like old cinematic story telling formats that kind of become parodies of themselves. Like last year when Knives Out came out. It was kind of like a lot of a lot of the talking points around it were like, hey, whatever happened to murder mysteries? And I know there's kind of an Agatha Christie resurgence right now, but like that notwithstanding, yeah. um, like the the who done it kind of had to become almost a parody of itself. And that happened a while ago with Clue and like uh, Knives Out is in earnest a who done it, but also it kind of like lampoons who done it's a little bit, and that's fine, or at least it kind of inverts them that's going to be the case too with, with something like this. If you're going to go in on that genre, go all in and make it campy. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there is a level of camp and that's what, that's what star Wars thrives on. Yes. That perfect level of camp. Yeah. The Porg and Ewok level of camp. <laughs> exactly. Hey, this is your number one. 
Yeah, this is my number one. This is my number one, uh, similarly to last time, with a nice big fat bullet, uh, big blaster mark bullet. Uh, and uh, this one is Star Wars Palpatine. Okay. Uh, All right. And this is the most necessary story to have. And as much as I don't like to um, say this, this fixes things in Star Wars. <laughs> this fixes a lot of shit in The Rise of Skywalker that just doesn't make sense. Um, and so I did finish uh, the Darth Plagueis book, and it is the best book of Star Wars ever read. Best Star Wars book ever read. Wow, uh, that's full, cool. Full stop. Uh, it was fantastic, and it still aligns. Uh, it, it, there aren't any really inconsistencies with current canon in it as well. Uh, and so with that said, I think you can do a bit of a retelling of that, but from Palpatine's perspective as opposed to Plagueis's perspective. Uh, alter the timelines a little bit. Uh, and then focus on Palpatine and his rise um, and also uh, kind of focusing on his ability to cheat death in that same capacity. So season one would focus on uh, two different timelines, a 20-year-old and a 30-year-old Palpatine. Uh, and the end of the season ends with uh, 88-year-old Palpatine cliffhanger uh, having just survived his uh, fall down the reactor chute. Uh, season two is 20 year old, 30 year old, 40 year old, and 88 year old Palpatine. Wow. Uh, and season three is 30 year old, 40 year old, and 89 year old Palpatine. And so that way you're able to see Palpatine's regathering of power uh, and planning immediately post Return of the Jedi, uh, but focusing on uh, uh, like 30 years of his life um, prior to uh, Phantom Menace. So he's 52 in Phantom Menace. So this would stop a good 10 years before that. The Darth Plagueis book runs up right through Phantom Menace, akin to Rogue One, whereas you don't quite see it coming up the way it does, and it just sneaks into the Phantom Menace. It's really it's so satisfying. Cool. Um, and so you wouldn't necessarily do that with this, but you would get away with it by also incorporating immediately after Return of the Jedi to answer those questions. Uh, you do Oshia Bastoon. Uh, you answer Palpatine surviving by having him go through the world between worlds. So, of course, you need to expl explore that a little bit more. Uh, and maybe that leads to a couple more Mortis questions and answers as well. Uh, it does answer a bunch of stuff from Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you get Billy Howell, who played uh, Palpatine's cloned son in Rise of Skywalker. Uh, you get him to play young Palpatine. Uh, he works for it. Uh, he's got uh, enough pedigree and... Uh, acting chops to probably get it done. I don't really know what so many things he's been in. I went through his IMDb earlier enough to be able to see that he, he, he's got the, he's got the, the appearances uh, notwithstanding, and he's definitely got the look. Um, and so if he was enough to play Palpatine in those flashbacks, I think it's uh, a good choice. I can get Titus Welliver to do the voice of Plagueis. Uh, he does. Uh, he's the, the man in black from uh, lost. Oh, great. Yeah, Bosch. Uh, yeah. I think he'd be a really good deep Plagueis voice. Uh, get uh, the British comedian David Mitchell to be uh, the droid 114D. Um, I think uh, there isn't a, kind of a scorned lover storyline in uh, Plagueis, but I think you could give Palpatine a bit of a love-loss story uh, and get Julia Garner in there uh, as kind of his rejected love. Uh, and then you get uh, Daniel Day Kim in as Sifo-Dyas. Uh, in the creation of the clone army and uh, a little bit of manipulation of a Jedi, not to go the direct uh, young Dooku route, but uh, the other Jedi that he consorted with in sifo and you're, So that could be a really good exploration. You're really enjoying recasting all of the the lost uh, tertiary characters, not tertiary, but secondary characters, which I think is a good uh, call. 
Well, Terry O'Quinn and Daniel Dakim, uh, those were the big ones. Terry O'Quinn, Daniel Dakim, those were the ones I really, really, really think have an excellent place in Star Wars. Uh, Titus Welliver was just one where I was like, I was trying to think of that voice, and he just came to me eventually. Um, but I think they, I think, yeah, I think the casting in Lost was done really well. And I think a lot of those actors would have a place in Star Wars, similar to the way Game of Thrones is. And I didn't watch Game of Thrones, but those actors have a Star Wars look and Star Wars has consistently started to pick from Game of Thrones for those people. And I think Lost could be another one of those cast groups. Look, I think that this is obviously an essential answer. And again, kind of like your, your Skywalker idea it's it's an opportunity to just like straighten things out a little bit without having to undo anything and exactly and i love uh and not that they're ever going to undo anything anyway nor nor do i think they should but like this can kind of just uh iron out some of the the crispy edges and uh, i love that you've conceived of this like really elaborate non-linear way of telling the story i think that's so fun um obviously he's one of the most interesting characters in star wars and for a guy who's always been around and we know his fate no, there's still so much suspense for this character, oh, yeah. and so I want to see it. And this way, we get Ian McDermott in it. You get to have him as really old Palpatine. You can have him do the voiceover on the occasional thing. Um, and when he needs to do, like, uh, when he's in his 40s and he needs to to electrocute something, you can get Ian McDermott to do the unlimited power. Uh, so the Palpatine voice sneaks in there. Uh, it's just it's accessing everything that you have uh, at your fingertips. Uh, and uh, pun intended on that one. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think that you can get Oshi of Bastoon in there. It makes Rise of Skywalker better. Mm. Uh, it it ties things up. It gives the answers that the sequel trilogy d didn't give, uh, similarly to the Master Skywalker show. And that's okay. The sequel trilogy didn't have to answer every question. Uh, I don't. I think it did fail in uh, its raising of questions and then inability to answer some of the questions that were prior to and some of the questions that it raised. Um, but with that said, I think this does give a good opportunity to flesh those things out more. And then ultimately, in retrospect, you would enjoy something like Rise of Skywalker more because there is more context to it. Even if it's not directly in the film, it's still there. Uh, and I think the just going through Plagueis, I know so many people have loved that book and so I was so happy to be able to read it. Uh, it's told in, in big, like, time chunks, whereas Palpatine's multiple different ages, but it doesn't flash back amongst them. But I think a TV show would really lend itself well to that. And it's told from Plagueis's view, whereas you can tell it from Palpatine's view this way, uh, so that you can have that connection to uh, immediately after uh, Return of the Jedi. So I think it would be one that would make, fan make the fan base lose their minds more than the Obi-Wan show, purely because the Obi-Wan show was a little bit of a, well, that's finally fucking came out yeah. whereas this would be one that would make fans lose their minds similarly the master skywalker one whereas this is the kind of thing that we would only dream to get well and the obi-wan show as excited as i am it's just candy right it's just filler whereas a uh, palpatine show is like a roast beef sandwich it's actually going to nourish True. you and help you like and help you better understand some of this it's kind of like rogue one it's not exactly the same situation but like for a lot of years people criticized this this uh this conclusion, the way they mm. wrap up Star Wars A New Hope as they kind of depict it as something of a of a plot hole, whether or not you think it is. Um, and Rogue One essentially stands to to eliminate any speculation about whether or not that's good storytelling. And it does it so stylishly. And this is also telling this Palpatine story as an opportunity to authenticate this as yet 
uh, non-canon story. Like, why not mm. give people back a perfectly good story you don't need to delegitimize? Exactly. And I really do think you could tell it in a way that doesn't um, actually disagree or contradict anything in the book. Uh, and there's almost nothing that contradicts current canon in the book, I don't think. And so uh, there are some things that it kind of uh, maybe lends really good leads to uh, that like, oh, that would have been something that could have been followed up on that wasn't and something else was raised. But then you can tie all that together. And uh, similarly, the way I was talking about with like kind of the Darth Bane and Darth Xana, uh, you can get that really kind of back and forth uh, intense relationship between the master and the apprentice on, and it explores the the Sith rule of two. And so this is one where I think uh, has a lot more urgency than the Darth Bane show and would uh, is, is maybe less likely, but I think would make more people happy. Okay, my number one doesn't have a whole lot of urgency, but it is similar, and it is something you loosely just touched upon. Surprise, Qui-Gon Jinn lands in my number one slot for yet another list, uh, only this time he is paired with his Jedi Master Dooku. I am sure there are comic books and novels that touch on the relationship between a young Qui-Gon and his teaching by the eventual Sith Lord. Um, I want to see it. Uh, we have only ever seen Qui-Gon as this like beacon of wisdom and grace. Um, we do know that he has a defiant side. We've seen that. And I want to mm. see that defiance blended with like youth and naivete. Plus, it would be an rich, enriching opportunity to see a more sympathetic, likable Dooku, who has obviously got something going for him. I don't want to like disrespect Christopher Lee, but the character is very two-dimensional to me in those two films. And I'd like to see him as like maybe kind of a kind of a cool, likable guy. Uh, I just have a feeling there's a great story between these two these two Jedi, and it would be a shame to ignore it. Dooku is a very principled character. Yeah. And actually, Dooku and Qui-Gon are both explored in the Plagueis book a little bit, uh, and they're explored on uh, in a few other canon mediums, but there's not been one yet to specifically focus on their relationship uh, and the particular focus on a young Qui-Gon's relationship with his Master Dooku. Master and Apprentice does it a little bit, but that's not the main focus. And so I agree. I think this is one that could be really interesting. I didn't put it on my list because uh, I, I feel that it would really suck because you don't get either of the same actors. That's one thing that does kind of is taken away a little bit from it. True. But at the same time, with really good casting, the show would be incredible. I, I definitely agree. I think you can uh, see some really interesting foreshadowing going on with the character. Um, and I think Qui-Gon make, would make an excellent protagonist. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the, the main uh, conflict they go up against is. Uh, maybe it's a bit more internal conflict. Um, Qui-Gon loves his prophecies. Uh, I think there's, uh, I think there could be really interesting stories that you could tell with this. And, and that's really all I have to say. I don't mean to kind of fizzle things out, but, uh, I mean, obviously we know how I feel about Qui-Gon Jinn. I liked this exercise. I thought this was like a really fun discussion. Yeah, I thought this was a really good one, too. I think there's a few more things maybe uh, akin to this that we could probably pull off at some point as well. Anything else you want to say? Any other like little shreds of ideas that you want to touch upon, or should we save those for future podcasts down the road? Because this was a very creative uh, kind of hypothetical episode of the pod. Yeah, I mean, the only other ones, I had a couple honorable mentions, was uh, like a young Dooku Qui-Gon thing. Uh, I think you could maybe do something similar as well with Mace Windu. Mm. Uh, I'm not quite sure what you do there. Uh, it'd be nice to get Sam Jackson in some capacity um, in like a flashback mode. Uh, but then again, it also, I don't think it really works. Uh, and so that one's also another one. It would be nice to see, but I, I just don't know what the story is. 
I'd love to see Babu Frick in something else. <laughs> um, and uh, I also think it would be cool to do a, a Beaumont and Connix show. Oh, yeah. uh, I think that those are two characters from Rise of Skywalker, uh, Last Jedi, that I, or in Connix's case. Uh, I, th I think there's, there's more that can be told there. I've mentioned it before. Uh, and if you want to kind of pluck characters from the sequel trilogy who didn't really get much, uh, storytelling, but uh, especially in Beaumont's case, have a really cool like character profile. Um, I, I think you could tell some interesting stories, some Indiana Jones type stories about them going on uh, uh, searching missions on behalf of the rebellion um, to get them things for um, whether it's Ray or or whatnot, or just the 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 movement forward of the resistance and the spark of hope that lights the torch that lights the match that burns the sky <laughs> that you know what i mean <laughs> i do i do hey what's going on in the news we haven't had a podcast in a couple of weeks there must be some things not a ton uh mando season two in a in a german uh kind of promo thing confirmed rosario dawson and timothy oliphant uh being in the show so it appears that rosario dawson is going to be in episode five uh it's the episode written by dave filoni it's called the loyalist um makes sense yeah uh she's in filoni's episode yeah the episode following is called the sorcerer and i assumed that was going to be the one but it isn't so that's interesting uh there is also rick famuyas writing the seventh episode of the season uh and i think favreau wrote the rest um so that's kind of interesting mm. uh kenobi is begins filming in march uh and the cassian show begins filming in november it begins filming on November 7th in just a couple weeks. That's really cool. Uh, but my God, we still have a long wait for this Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yeah, it's still going to be quite a ways. But with November and uh, March, when do we think they're going to happen? Uh, when do, like, If we're going to get potentially next, say next October is going to be Mandalorian season three. They say they're on schedule for it. And if they've done two Octobers in a row, they'll probably do another one or November, whatever it was. Then they could maybe rush Cassian out in like June Maybe potentially possible. possibly Obi-Wan won't be until 2022. It won't be. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean, if they, maybe they try and do like a June or an August, they could maybe do June or August the following year for Obi-Wan. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Um, or actually, if there's going to be Star Wars celebration and whatnot in 2022, um, they maybe would want to have it coming out right around then. Uh, also, uh, the it's filming under Cassian is filming under the name uh, Andor, which is a really dumb name. So, just hoping it's a placeholder it yeah. should just be a placeholder uh, i hope they go with something like really creative i want like something out there rogue one cleverness if not more clever uh none of this solo crap um something a little bit more interesting agreed yeah yeah give it a fun name yep uh according to pablo hidalgo uh and there's a book coming up that does a little bits of um kind of fun facts about Star Wars that he he said that George Lucas in his treatments was going to kill Luke Skywalker in episode eight as well. So huh. sorry, people who hated Ryan Johnson and said George Lucas wouldn't have done that. Uh, also, Mark Hamill said George Lucas wouldn't have done that, but that's not true. Uh, maybe in his drafts in the, in the 80s, Mark, but uh, his, his drafts in the mid 2000s had you dying in episode eight, which is the right call, in my opinion, allowing uh, the main character to have kind of that hanging over them. I don't think it was executed well. Uh, I think he could have been used more uh, in episode nine uh, as a ghost, but um, I thought it was right to kill him in eight. This new fun facts book by Hidalgo, uh, it got, uh, I got a targeted ad for it today. My, my cookies. Oh, know, really? They, they know me pretty well. And uh, it looks beautiful. It's like, it's just like a cool looking book. I kind of wanted to hold it and flip through. 
Yeah, no, I think I'm probably going to, well, I'll definitely get it when it comes out, uh, me and my Star Wars books. Yeah. Speaking of Star Wars books, I don't think we talked about this on air. I mentioned it to you, uh, and I can't believe this has not been mentioned anywhere on the internet. And this is the kind of thing where if some big YouTube channel does something on this, like every news outlet will do an article on it talking about how it's a big reveal. Yeah. Um, and it's been something that's been out for months, uh, but nobody's pointed out, and so nobody talks about it. Uh, if you look in the art of the Rise of Skywalker, uh, they have some art from The Last Jedi that they didn't want to have as spoiler, that mm -hmm. they pulled out of The Last Jedi art of book and put in art of Rise of Skywalker, including a scene where Rey goes into the dark side cave and wants to see her parents and sees a bunch of visions of herself. Well, in the art of the concept art, as opposed to seeing just herself, she sees Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah. So that pretty thoroughly confirms that that was a well-wrote plan at one uh, at one point. Yeah. I know Ryan Johnson had said before that he had uh, written like or had gone through the film with and with every possibility in mind uh, and ultimately settled on the one that he did of no one. Uh, but uh, with JJ's intention um initially and daisy ridley kind of hinting at that uh it really seems like the the plan was kenobi uh that was just kind of scrapped midway through because no one had decided to enforce it so that's a little annoying uh but also funny that uh, all these things blow up when the writing is just literally there for anybody who just opens up the book it is kind of disappointing you know like the i mean we can talk about this until we're blue in the face but, of course um it is kind of disappointing that ultimately the Kenobi heritage just dies and he was nobody other than a good guy who cared a lot. Um, it, when, when to me... That is the Jedi way. I understand, but like to me, the Kenobis are just as significant and, and maybe the Chosen was is in fact the relationship between Kenobis and Skywalkers, not just Skywalkers. And like whatever the hell a dyad is, to me, it should mm. it should be those two bloodlines. I, I would agree. I would agree on that in the sense that if you change it and make her a Kenobi and you do a better reveal um, and you connect things better back to that force vision, the way I always wanted Kylo to have a force vision in Rise of Skywalker, uh, like Rey's, um, it can sum all that up. And I agree. The dyad is much stronger if it's Kenobi Skywalker than if it's Palpatine Skywalker. That's right. Yep. Yep. That's it. Nothing else in the news. Any birthdays? Uh, a couple of birthdays. Happy birthday on Friday, October 9th, to Brian Blessed, who played Boss Nass. I don't know what else he does with his life, but he's still part of the family. I think he's a comedian. Oh, that's cool. I guess that makes sense. Happy yeah, birthday. Wrong. Happy birthday on Saturday, the 17th, to Felicity Jones, and Monday, October 19th, to John Favreau, the big man himself. I'm the big man himself. That's all we got. Any other things we wanted to mention? Uh, we have a YouTube channel now where we're just kind of like backlogging some of the older stuff. So if you see us on there, throw us a like. Otherwise, um, always uh, please feel invited to rate and review on your podcast app so that we can, you know, fall into the algorithms and be found by other Star Wars fans. If you want to share with us your list of ideas uh, for future Star Wars series or films, whatever you got um, for, for inspiration, you can tweet us at Recorder66 or email Recorder66podcast at gmail.com. And uh, until we are together again, may the Force be with you.